Welcome back. Today we will review scripture on idolatry and discuss how it works with the salvation experience. When I committed myself to seek God, I became a student of correcting my character and growing new character. My whole being and life became flexible to God. I learned from the book Alcoholics Anonymous that God was to be everything or nothing, and God was to be my new employer. That meant I was to wake up each day and punch in my time clock to go to work for God. And like a brand new employee, I needed training. Over much time, I was slowly washed by God's good grace. But when I was washed, it was something like taking a sponge to a car that had not been washed for a decade. Imagine that sponge filling up with dirt to the extent it needed to be rinsed in a bucket before it could collect any more dirt. Imagine that sponge needing to be rinsed over and over again. My character and beliefs took time to renew through learning and practice. It wasn't like an altar call where I go up, profess Christ as my Savior, and am instantly sin-free. My sins were forgiven, but my character and thinking were structured to continue sinning. I needed guidance and counsel to learn how to live right with God. I needed to commit my life to walk in God's ways, but I needed to learn about God's good ways before I could walk in them. I needed to commit myself to learning and training. What made this even more complicated was the lack of trainers available to me to show me just how to walk more like Christ. The best help I could find was simple instructions like pray, love, serve, meditate, read, and do the steps. People would suggest things I already heard. I had to have God's help, and the only way I could get God's help was to seek and wait for it. I had to seek God diligently and become a sponge for godly experiences. I had to patiently persist in these experiences to repeat them with truth and sincerity. Waiting for God was to wait with my full inward being attentive to spiritual things. I found politics and church and the leaders to be distracted by many things. I heard a pastor teaching on the book of James who said, If I spoke like this, you would fire me. I just didn't find people to lead me very well by demonstration into deep spiritual experiences with God's righteousness. I wanted more. And the only way I could see to grow more like Jesus was to follow the Bible and go it alone. I chose to use the Bible, real-life experiences, research, studies, and my own personal experiences to find truth. I collaborated extensively my findings and still do to validate my understanding. In order for me to understand idolatry, I needed to give myself completely to trusting and serving God and change drastically enough for others to notice. I mean, my mind can easily believe I'm changing when I'm not, so I needed evidence beyond myself that I am growing. Idolatry happens when my interests become out of line with God's interests. That is, when I seek thoughts, words, attitude, or actions that move me away from God's righteousness. This happens every day. I spend much of my day redirecting myself back to God. If I go a day without redirecting myself toward God or directing myself toward God, it can be an ungodly day. A day without salvation and perhaps growth and destruction. 
I might do or say things that hurt relationships, my heart, and my conscience. In the beginning, I would pray in the morning for guidance to do God's will. I would guard against destructive thinking like fear, resentments, dishonesty, and self-centeredness. I would examine myself at night or throughout the day to see how well I was doing. This process is outlined in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Try reading pages 85 to 88 each day with sincere desire and see what happens. Free PDF versions are available at aa.org. It took some time to learn how to adopt these basic beginning steps into my daily activities. Over time with practice, they helped me change my character. Deuteronomy 4.15-19 And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. When I began meditating, I would look at the stars and be amazed. I still appreciate the beauty of sunsets. Yet I am to seek to walk with God in God's righteousness, which requires me to trust in that way of being. Gazing at beauty helps me to experience goodness, but if it does not grow my thoughts, words, and actions to forgive and care for others, then what good is that? Experiences that only make myself feel good and not others may be more self-serving than God-serving. From what I understand with Jesus and God is that I'm to love people. If I'm not doing that, I may not really be serving, worshiping, or loving God. Deuteronomy 4.20 says to be his people. To be a servant of God, I need to think and act upon God's character and righteousness. I need to think how to do such things and examine myself to see how well I am doing them. Verse 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Biblehub.com describes this word jealous in this verse as demanding exclusive service. Verse 29, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in the later days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. Please think about the word if. In verse 29, where it says, You will find him if. The word if is a conditional clause. The functionality of the word if means something is required on my part. It says, if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 30 says, when you turn to. Now this turning to God is how you define repent. A good concordance study is to search the word repent and learn what the Bible and Jesus says about repenting. Verse 40, You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Have you ever tried talking to kids to warn them about things to come? They can easily let that warning go right over their head because they don't understand it. But if we are honest and sincere with children, 
with our struggles, thoughts, and feelings, they can grow more in God's righteousness. Training in God's righteousness through demonstration and honest conversation may be the best protection for them. Kids need to sense with understanding God's righteousness. It will be difficult to raise kids right with God if we sidestep or sugarcoat deeper spiritual truth about destruction and what the Bible says to do. If we want to save kids, we need to get real and authentic about our sinful ways and how we are growing in God's righteousness. We need to speak boldly, gently, and sincerely truth about God's righteous ways, or kids will develop their own understanding about God that can be very far from the truth. Kids and adults develop ideas about themselves and the world based upon what they see and hear, how they interpret it, and how they perceive it. If I come to a conclusion about my standing with God through comparing myself to people at my church or what my family tells me, I may miss the mark. If kids think to themselves that kids at church are the benchmark, they may come to believe that the church is a failure. They see the church kids at school and know how they really are. The benchmark Christians ought to have is Christ. We ought to teach openly that church people sin, because we all do, some more than others. We must make it clear that church and groups are not the goal. God and living by God's righteousness has always been God's goal, and we need to choose to make that goal known more and more. Our message about God needs to align more and more with what the Bible says God's message is. Deuteronomy 5.7 You shall have no other gods before me. Then in verse 9, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Verse 10, But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. Here again is another conditional phrase. Those who love me and keep my commandments. God shows mercy to those who love God and keep God's commandments. As I have shared in other episodes, at 21 years of age, I made God my everything. I decided God was an intangible and invisible force available to me if I choose to trust and rely upon God's ways. I chose to seek and trust God to help me in my suffering. And through the process over time, I began to learn my trusting and serving God was good. It was good for me and good for others. It was good all around for me to walk in God's ways. And I had yet to read the Bible or go to church. After a while, I began to pursue other things. I was told I needed a job. I went to school and gradually other things became more important than serving God. It only took about six months to get to a point where I would feel completely disconnected from God and alone. A year later, I became a broken and desperate man, humble and ready again to relearn how to connect with God. I asked for help, and another man redirected me to set my heart and mind again toward God completely. I had to make many hard choices to make God more important than school, 
and my career. This key point about worshiping God exclusively remains today. Jesus emphasized this, describing the first or great commandment of God in Mark 12:30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Jesus emphasizes serving God and making God our one and only master. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon at BibleHub.com is described as riches or wealth. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 2 Timothy 3.2 For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, placing anything in my mind to be more important than God and God's righteousness is a threat to my salvation, love, peace, and sanity. Deuteronomy 5.21 You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Our goal is to desire God, God's righteousness, God's ways. Yet I want to emphasize a very important point here. We're not to desire God and God's righteousness and God's ways by the way someone else tells us to do it. We need to go and experience and understand this righteousness and goodness and grace on our own and know it from our own heart with our own faith, not to rely on someone else's faith to guide us. We need to have guidance from the Spirit within us that God gave us. But I believe the only way to really get that is for us to prioritize God as number one and to live sternly by God as we see and understand God for ourselves. Colossians 3, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So the Bible says covetousness, which is idolatry. What we covet can be idolatry if it's not with God's righteousness. When I became empty and broken and sought to grow with God again, I, I examined myself for faults. I realized I was comparing myself to others around me. I was broke. I used a bicycle for transportation. I was attending a university while working graveyard shift at a convenience store. At the university, I would compare myself to others, and as I did, I felt more and more of less value. I was basing my decision about myself upon what other people had and how they looked. I looked at their cars, clothes, and money, and I felt worth less. As I was guided to focus more upon God, to trust God, and to serve God in my choices and character, I learned to not give so much attention to what other people had or how they looked. I had to restructure my perception, my thoughts, my beliefs, 
my thinking habits about what was important. I had to convince myself to rely less upon financial success and more upon God's righteousness. My priorities became more about spiritual, correct ways of living within myself. Instead of seeing how I was different from others, I focused more on seeing how I could become a better person with God. I began basing my value on how I was growing with God. I examined my thoughts and attitude to correct them toward truth and justice. I sought to fit in with God's character. I sought to redirect my thoughts and choices more and more doing right by God. I chose to give less attention to worrying what others might think about me. I wish I could say I grew perfectly with God, but I didn't. I would slip all the time. I would go back and forth redirecting myself again and again toward godly good. I was like someone learning to ride a bike that would keep falling and getting hurt. But I would get back on the bike. I would keep at it because I learned being on the bike, even if just for a little while, created security within my heart and mind. I would always be improved inwardly when I prioritize God and practice godly character over time. 1 Samuel 15.23 For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as inequity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Reject the word of the Lord, it says. This ties into disobedience. Notice how it linked stubbornness with idolatry. Try doing a concordant search on the word obey and learn what the Bible says about that. Such a study can grow understanding about how serious it is to live by God's righteousness. This is a crucial understanding to maintain. I rejected and resisted God. I still do it every day. I set for myself easy objectives. Remember, I redirect myself back to God's righteousness. My goal is to improve toward God little by little over time. That means I can grow like the stock market grows. There can be setbacks and dips in my spiritual productivity, which I can learn from. I use feedback from others that can testify to my growth or slips. Remember the metaphor I used earlier, the car that hadn't been cleaned for a decade? Imagine that car being cleaned about halfway through. That's about where I am 30 years later. But I've done this journey figuring things out, thinking beyond groups, churches, and books. I'm hoping to dig further to find or create a system of living that can more easily promote authentic and real growth with God's righteousness. The quickest way to learn is with a group that is doing it right, godly rights. Behavior patterns can be testimonies and teachings. What we do speaks so much louder than what we say. Stubbornness or disobeying doing right with God can be developed through many forms of self-deception. Each of us will need to choose for ourselves whether to make God our employer or not. Humility can be a good fix for stubbornness. Praying sincerely for humility helps me, but I need to desire it. If I do not desire it, then praying for help to desire it may be a good start. Isaiah 46.12 Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from righteousness. This battle to obey God's good ways over my own self-gratifying desires can be like following a diet or exercise routine. It can be like convincing myself to go to school to get a degree. 
I need to commit and stay at it to achieve the goal. But once I get that goal, let's say I, I'm, on a, I'm on a diet, right? Let's say I get that goal and then a month later I go back to my old ways. What's going to happen? You know what's going to happen. I'm going to gain the weight and I'm going to go back to the position I was when I started. So the correction needs to be constant. And that means standing firm. The Bible says a few things about standing firm and staying towards the goal. This is important. So the path to love and peace is to increase my whole being to think and act more with love and peace continually. Who I am inside affects who I am. I can't rest on my laurels. It's not about what I did last month. It's about who am I being today? And this is one day at a time. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Then verse 9. Those who make an image, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Ezekiel 14.3 The Son of Man These men have set up their idols in their hearts. Ezekiel 14.4 Everyone of the house of Israel who sets up idols in his heart. And verse 7 Who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart. So over and over the phrase, who sets up his idols in his heart, is used. We must examine ourselves, our desires. We must examine ourselves to know what our desire is set upon and what we hope for to make us feel good. We must learn what Jesus meant by Matthew 19.17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Proverbs 11.23 The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. When Jesus says, keep the commandments, and Jesus also said that the first commandment was probably the most important To love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. So our inward being is to be set to desire and love God. To think about God. To prioritize God. To act and walk with God's righteousness. That's the goal. We must learn about God's good through experience. To taste that good so we can desire it. Good experiences grow desire to repeat them. Love, mercy, and compassion done right in truth and sincerity are very desirable experiences. I used to love sports. I had teams that I worshipped. I wore the team's hats and t-shirts. I would argue with others over how my team was better. I would poke and instigate with others. I eventually got to the point where I realized this behavior was not right with God and began to change. I stopped antagonizing others. When others would poke at me, I would just avoid them. And avoiding them at that time was an improvement. I came to believe this back and forth with put-downs, attacks, and jabs was spiritually destructive. I eventually put the t-shirts and hats away. 
I stopped watching sports. Although I have come a long way spiritually from where I was, I know I am only beginning to learn how to live with God one day at a time. Hosea 4, 11-12 Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslaves the heart. My people ask counsel from their wooden idols, and their staff informs them. For the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against their God. This subject is one full of shame and embarrassment. The damage from it is immense, and it is tied to greed, lust, and self-gratification. Whatever we decide in our minds to seek out to feel good that is not with God may be harmful. 1 Corinthians 10.7 And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Exodus 32.6 So the next day the people rose early, and sacrificed burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink, and got up to indulge in revelry. I suppose this could be similar for me to go to church or a group to be serious about God and then later to pursue my own self-interest and desires. Food, drugs, sex, money, vanity, and pride can hurt us if we set our hearts upon them, if we trust in them to bring comfort to us, if we trust in them to be our salvation or to deliver us out of destruction. We will need to choose to either bring godly good into our hearts, words, attitudes, and actions, or not. I thought it would be good to end this salvation series with some instructions about thoughts and behaviors we can choose to grow. We can choose thoughts which can grow destruction or salvation. The instructions are put to death or put off ungodly thoughts and actions. Colossians 3, 5 through 11. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man and his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed to knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, Put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which 
also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Galatians 5, 19-21 Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and the like means a lot more, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what we practice is very important to look at thoroughly. Verses 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Growing in this manner requires me to seek it every day and keep my mind focused upon it. I must pray for humility and sincerely seek to serve God by God's righteousness. I need to put on God's righteousness little by little in a progressive way while putting off things not of God more and more.